Yo, what's going on, everybody? You are listening to the Holy Ruckus Podcast, episode 91, inching ever closer to that episode 100. And uh, we're here kicking it with some papas, some daddies, some um, some fathers, because it's our pre-Father's Day show. We're so excited to have you with us. So whether you're watching us on Facebook and on YouTube, show us some love here. We got some good guests lined up all in one today, the dude, uh, the dad bod panel. So we're so excited. I bet you some of these guys don't even have a dad bod. Maybe just me. But anyway, let's let's get this going. You are rocking with the best, the Holy Ruckus Podcast. Again, go ahead, like, share, subscribe, do the whole thing. And we will see you when we see you here right after the intro video. We've got some fresh new young talent doing some things that I know you haven't heard before. Why were you made? I was made to be happy. The way to be happy is to know truth and to love goodness. In other words, I am made for God. Pero quiero lío en las dioses. Quiero que se salga afuera. You are now listening to the Holy Ruckus Podcast. Buenas tardes. What's going on, everybody? Hello. What's up? Hello. What's going on, fellas? Fuss and and so the prerequisite for being here is that you're either a spiritual papa, a papa, or just got the dad bod. So I don't know which one you are, but I'm so glad to have you with us tonight. And I mean tonight, as in it's 6 p.m. Eastern here in the DMV. Um, but let's go around. We got some folks from who aren't from around here, and uh, but here in the internet, it don't matter where you're from as long as you're tuned in. Ladies and gentlemen, make sure you haven't already done so. You want to drop some love. You know somebody here in the in the discussion, in the chat, go ahead in the comment section. Let them know what's up. Let them know how much they suck or how much you love them. But here we go. Let's start it off with, um, what should we do? Age before beauty? Let, let's go, my man. Uh, Kevin, well, <laughs> I mean, you are quite beautiful, man. Um, but let's go with you. Kevin, go ahead. Tell, them, tell the world who you are. I'm sure they know you already, but go ahead. I'm the granddad of the show today, and I proudly own it. I own that. So, uh, yeah. So, so first of all, Josh, thanks for inviting me in. Uh, Josh, Josh, and I've been doing a podcast together for I don't know about about. Uh, you've been helping out with the podcast for about a year now. Uh, I live in the uh, Washington D.C. metropolitan area. I'm a. Uh, I just released uh, my latest book. I'm a Catholic author. Uh, the name of the book is Priest and Beggar: The Heroic uh, Life of Venerable Aloysius Schwartz. Uh, I. Uh, I do a lot of uh, do a lot of writing. Um, I uh, I love the Catholic faith. I love hanging out and doing podcasts. As Josh knows, I'm a father of three, and uh, something like this I love because we just get to let it sort of fly. We don't have to kind of dial down deep. So this is going to be a great podcast. There you go. There you go. And then, yeah, I've known Kevin for just a little over a year. We were working with the uh, with the Sisters of Mary and the World Villages for Children, and all the work, and that's been kind of buoyed by the inspired work of Venerable Aloysius Swartz. So uh, that's someone that's going to be well-known here in the, in the coming months more and more. But so excited. Let's keep going with the with the Domino's background. Or I don't, I mean, what would you call it? Mr. Taylor Schroll of uh, Forte Catholic or Fort Catholic? Excuse me, I'm, I messed it all up. Go ahead, Taylor. Tell him how exactly to pronounce it. Who you come, on, come on, man. I'm using one of your languages. Forte, Forte. You know what it is. And, uh, you know, you might be playing checkers, but I'm playing chess. <laughs> love it. Love it. Love it. So tell us a little bit about, about yourself. And Yeah, my name's Taylor. I wish my name was Aloysius Schwartz. I, I've never heard that name before. That's a baller name. Um, I uh, am the host of Forte Catholic. Uh, we're, we're doing uh, Catholic entertainment, Catholic comedy. So I come from a youth ministry background. So essentially it's youth group for adults where you'll be entertained for 18 minutes and then get punched with the gospel for two. And then we go to commercial. I mean, I never went to commercial in youth group, but you, you know, it's the same kind of idea. Uh, so I, I live here in Texas, right down the road from the next side. It's going to talk that I'm not sure if, if we're doing age, I, I don't know. I don't know which one of us is older. I think it's really close. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I think it is. So I think we went out of order here. But oh well, it doesn't matter. I look super old because I'm bald. And Chris has that those uh, luxurious hair. I, I, I'm going to steal it one day. Um, but uh, yeah, I live here in Central Texas. Uh, run a nonprofit organization here, doing a lot of uh, uh, this kind of work, audio tech work, and uh, trying to spread the gospel. So 
uh, my all my kids, like every time that I record, are either outside or locked in their game room. So that's how I'm being a dad right now, ignoring my kids to talk about fatherhood. <laughs> Dude, totally. Okay, I thought it was just me. They're watching Ryan the Last Dragon downstairs down below. So very good to have you, Taylor. Thanks so much for being with us. And now, Chris, what's up, man? Go ahead. How's it going? Yeah, my name is Chris. I'm down here in Houston, Texas. Uh, I've been married to my wife for 13 years. I have two daughters, uh, nine and seven. And I'm a missionary and uh, director of recruitment for Adore Ministries here in Houston. We have eight missions, and we primarily work in areas that are, you know, lesser off, especially monetarily. So, like, we are able to send um, missionaries, multiple missionaries, to a to a parish that otherwise wouldn't have one. Um, and uh, we reach out to the parish. We work with the youth. We work with the teens. Um, we have a greater, a greater, you know, view of mission in that we're with the teens, the family, the staff is our mission, the pastor is our mission, and how can we just have a, a greater impact on the surrounding area also? So, you know, I conveniently started as a, a recruiter in March 2020. So, you know, when you, you know, it's perfect to be meeting face to face. That's what I quit recruiting. <laughs> <laughs> he saw the winds coming. Um, but yeah, it's been amazing, and you know, my job is to help sustain and bring in like the right people to <clears throat> serve in these communities and, and the right people that will fit our, our culture. And it's been, it's been amazing. It's been a blessing. Even, even in the midst of COVID, we've added a couple missions we've brought on. We have five interns this summer. We, we have a couple new full-time people. So it's just, we haven't stopped. We're going to keep on growing. That's what's up, man, Chris. And then also, Chris, you have recently uh, dropped a blog with us over at the Holy Ruckus. So you're one of us now. You're one of the bloggers. So thanks so much for being with us. And last but not least, we got we got a late late arrival, my man, Mikey T. Of course he's late. Of course he's late. <laughs> hey, guys. What's going on, Sorry. bro? I was dealing with my kids, of course, parenting my kids lovingly. Enthusiastically, absolutely um, parenting my kids. So yeah, good answer, they, are, good they, they are also watching TV right now. <laughs> Sweet, very good, very good. Uh, just in the off chance that the people who will watch this or are watching this don't know who you are, uh, beautiful man as you are, give them a little something. Who are you? Thank you. I also think you're a beautiful Josh. Uh, I'm Mike Tenney. I've been a writer with uh, Holy Ruckus since the beginning. I have been this is probably my fourth or fifth time on the show. So uh, happy to be back with my peoples. Um, I know Taylor and I've done uh, shows together before I've been on his show. He's been on my show. The other guys, nice to meet you. Sorry. I'm late. Good to meet you, Mike. <laughs> mm -hmm. No, it's good. It's good. You're in the right place and, and at the right time, it's on God's time. So, so very good. And let's get into it, fellas. So again, in this pre, um, what, what is it? Uh, pre father's day special, man. I mean, we had plans of, of what we wanted to do. I was actually supposed to be joined with Father Pat, who's usually my co-host, right? But fatherly duties, he is a spiritual father to so many thousands upon thousands. And so he had to break fast for that and handle his, his children. So it's a beautiful thing. His parish, his parish children. So we're so excited um, that he's following his vocation. I'm doing mine. And uh, yeah, by neglecting my kids downstairs. But anyway, let's get into it. Um, Let's go. So what we're going to do, guys, and what we do with everybody, we like to play a game. We like to loosen up. I'm a, I'm a youth minister uh, from back in the day as well. So in that same vein, I like to do an icebreaker. So call me crazy, but here we go. So with that being said, let's start. All right. So we open this up. In, in, in um, what you call it, in, with, with Father's Day, like a lot of shows and a lot of movies that, that we could run to and say, like, man, that's totally new. That's totally new. That's what that's what it's fatherhood is like. Best and worst father's portrayal or dad portrayals, um, TV, movies, book. What is it for you guys? I'll I'll, I'll hit it up first. So if you've ever seen, well, if you ever seen uh, Beethoven one or two with the Saint Bernard or whatever, that pops. That dad when he goes to that county fair, he's grubbing hardcore on the, on the on the food trying to, and then he kind of has is snarling at his dog like that's me on like a bad day we're talking like no football i haven't had any time for myself you know i'm, I'm grumpy haven't slept that's me on a worst day in terms of a worst dad portrayal i don't even know if i've seen a really good dad portrayal on tv but maybe it'll come to me maybe it'll come to me uh what about you guys so mike since you were last 
I'm gonna go to you first. Mike, if you take mine, I'm gonna punch you through this camera. <laughs> <laughs> Mike knows mine. <laughs> Best worst dad portrayal on TV or movies, Mike Tenney. All right, so, uh, oh, I do know yours, actually. <laughs> I was like, what's this? Oh, right, yeah. Um, so for me, uh, so I've been, my wife and I have been watching This Is Us recently, and uh, Jack, the main, the main dad, is just like this amazing dad. But his dad is like a total jerkle. He's just awful, um, you know, alcoholic and abusive, and just like if his kid does bad in a baseball game, he's mad. He's mad at him the rest of the week. Um, but Jack is just like this amazing supportive father. Who, even though he's got some issues, um, even though he's he's got you know some some history, and and he's not he's not perfect by any means. But he like always comes back and reconciles. He's always having conversations with his kids. And, uh, um, yeah, just an awesome portrayal of fatherhood. And I've still held out in not watching This Is Us. Am I missing something? Is yeah. Like horrible? Like what, what's going down? It's good, like, man. It's good. Is it though? It is. It's real good. It's real good. I'm right now on Loki right now. I can only handle like one binging at a time. Right mm -hmm. now it's Loki. So, mm -hmm. okay, we'll, we'll keep going. Taylor, before someone takes yours, go for it. Yeah, this is. I, I spent an hour and a half talking with Mike about this. Um, the from the God of War video game, the most recent one. Uh, Kratos, like I connected that guy so much. He's a. He, it's it's about him learning that he's a father and having to actually deal with being a father. So I, I, I think about that a lot with my with my my firstborn. Where it's like I don't know what I'm doing. You know, I'm, I'm lear learning how to be a father and making mistakes and the like. Uh, Son's teaching you how to be a better father through those situations. I've learned how to be a better father from from other people, from, obviously from God. But um, and then just like his growth and watching him become a better father. It's like, oh, it took him a video game. It took me eight years to finally figure this stuff out. Uh, and then I think worst betrayal, uh, a binge that I just saw was uh, Invincible, a real real popular uh, cartoon over the last couple of uh, last couple of months. And boy, Audi man, if you don't know, you don't know. But it, there's, there's a big spoiler right at the end of the first episode, so we're not getting into it. But that dude <laughs> yeah, is the worst so father I've ever seen. It's real bad. And he, and he portrays himself as being the best, and he's the worst. Boy. There you go. There you go. And Taylor, I don't know if it was you. There's a little bit of a buzzing. I don't know if anybody else heard that. But I'm hearing a little buzz on my man Taylor. Um, but we'll get that rectified here because I'm not seeing where it goes. Let's go, Kevin. What up, Kevin? Uh, What's up, Josh? Oh, best worst dad portrayal. What do you got? Worst, uh, Jack Nicholson in The Shining. Um, oh, oh. Best, best is uh, without a doubt. So I've given up on TV. I just, I can't, I just can't do it. The one show I watch is The Office. I'm sorry. Well, I used to watch The Office, but, but there's a show called The Middle. Mike Heck in The Middle, pretty good dad. But, but the best dad is from a movie. I think the second greatest sports movie of all time, Cinderella Man. Did anyone seen it? Jimmy Braxton, the boxer. In the teeth of the Great Depression, he's got nothing. He broke his hand in a, in a boxing match. No jobs anywhere. He goes down to the docks because he got kid, kids at home. They're living in a shack, no electricity, no food. And he says, pick me. I gotta, I gotta start, I gotta work with broken hands, a broken body to feed the kids. So I think the greatest portrayal of all time of dads, Jimmy Braxton, the boxer in, uh, in Cinderella Man. That's what's up, that's what's up. Okay, okay, Cinderella Man. I, I'm gonna all write these down. I've seen Cinderella Man though. So here we go. Chris, go for it. Man, my worst was just stolen. I literally just finished reading the book, The Shining, two days ago, where Jack <laughs> Torrance is just at the forefront of my mind. What sucks is that in the book, He's written to where you're, you're kind of rooting for him because you see his history and abuse and alcoholism. But in the movie, he's just a bad guy. He's just, from beginning to end, he's a jerk. Um, uh, but I was trying to think what came to the front of my mind just immediately. It's a very small part, but if you remember back to Braveheart, right? Right? Mm -hmm. uh, in the very beginning, uh, when William Wallace is a kid, his dad, because there's one small part when they're going off to the meeting, and you know he wants to go, and he's saying he can't go. And uh, but he lets him know it's not because he thinks he's weak. He, like he knows he's strong. He lets him know his son has strength, and he believes in him. And that always reminds me back in middle school, like at uh, the Catholic school I went to. There were always fights. 
uh, but I asked my dad, like, what, what would happen if I ever got in a fight? I never did, but he was like, you know, you know, don't throw the first punch, but defend yourself. So I just thought it was cool that he gave me permission to, you know, throw blows, but just not the first one. <laughs> That's what's up, man. That's Good what's up. Watch them blows. There you go. There you go. Okay. So let, let's keep going. Um, and now we're getting into the personal realm here. So epic dad fail. A moment that you wish you could have had back, whether it was, you know, just you and your, you and your little one, whether it was you and your little one and your wife saw, or, you know, God forbid, you know, in-laws were there like mine. So so I'll, so again, I'll, I'll hit it up first. I have no shame in my game. We went to, uh, we went to Costco. And my wife knows this and we cleared it for the story, but uh, we went to Costco one time and then right, right next to Costco uh, wholesale, there's a little, this little sushi joint. And we, and we went with uh, my in-laws. And so we, we go in and one of the most embarrassing moments is, is I go to park the car, right? I, I go to park the car and I'm, and I'm hustling up because, because it's the sushi special guys. And it's like one o'clock and you don't want like nasty sushi that's just been sitting there. So I'm hustling. I'm like, I got to make moves. I got to make moves. Well, I made so many moves that I forgot the third kid in the car. And uh, that was the worst moment because I forgot it. And then I walk in and then I walk in and then my in-laws just see me and I don't have a carrier. And I'm and just walking like strolling in like nothing. Like, oh, what they got today. And then all of a sudden they're like, and then my wife just looks at me like, where's Maria? And I'm like, I'll be back. <laughs> I'll be back. And I just walk in shame, hustle flow fast as I can, grab Maria, and like it was nothing. And I went, I don't know, I, I, I guess I pretended like, I don't know, like I left the keys in the car or something, but I played it off and to this day, maybe they're watching. My in-laws will probably watch this and, and finally know. When Josh walked out of the sushi restaurant, it was because Maria was in the car. That's it, that's it. I don't know, Mike, come help me here. Is, is it just me, am I that bad? Go ahead, epic dad tale. Epic dad fail. Uh, the, the one that comes to mind is we were uh, at the playground. I mean, it was me and my wife and my daughter and my son. Um, and my son, like, clearly, like, needed help on this one piece of equipment. And, like, I don't know. I was just, like, spaced out. I was standing, like, within arm's reach of him. And he just, like, fell right off and hit the ground and started crying. And, uh, and she was like, what were you doing? And I was like... I don't know, contemplating like he was fine. He didn't have like any injuries or anything, but um, I don't know. That's just the one that comes to mind that happened within the last few weeks of, yeah, just mind was not there. And this was with the little girl or the, or the boy? This is with, I mean, the whole family was there, but my little boy was the one that fell. So, mm. yeah. Feeling okay, okay. Feel your pain, feel your pain. Let's go, Taylor. Yeah. So, I now that I'm working from home uh, over the last year nice. and a half, I've been spending a lot more time where like I'm here and my wife, you know, my wife will even do something. So I'm here with the three-year-old and she's been great. Like usually she just watches TV or she comes in here and plays with her blocks while I'm sitting here working or whatever. And then one day I'm sitting here editing audio. So like, I can't hear anything, right? Like there's audio in my, in my headphones and I just get this spidey sense where I'm like, something's wrong. And so I go and I'm calling her name and I'm loud. Like I'm yelling. I, I, she's not in a TV room. She's not in her room. She's not anywhere. And like, she's three, she can't open, like unlock doors and leave, right? But then I go and I realized that the back sliding door had been left open. Oh, she left to go find her mother who had been gone at Kroger or whatever. God knows how long she was outside. I checked on her maybe every 30 minutes and she was fine. So it could have been 30 seconds. It could have been 30 minutes. And I'm just, I'm sprinting and yelling her name. And thank God she's, she's just playing in the front yard. I still don't know how long and it was terrifying so now every time she's like home alone with me I check on her every three minutes or she's sitting right here. what's up man she, where is she right now oh, gosh I don't know she's, <laughs> my wife's home it's fine she's in, the, she's in the sushi restaurant yeah exactly there you go man there you go, there you go. hey man you never know let's go Kevin Wells Oh, I'm the old man, the bunch. So I bet my... you don't even have one. I bet you don't even have one. I bet this was just, you know, God ordained and you don't have epic fails. Josh, my, my fails are like the stars in the sky. They're multitudinous. Uh, but but the epic ones, uh, they're like a box of Crayola crayons. There's not quite as many. Epic, uh, the one that comes to mind right now, and this is an epic one. Uh, my daughter at high school quit the field hockey team because she wanted to be a thespian. So she built herself up 
gaffer, lights, dealt with screenplays. He finally got a lead part in the play in Greece her senior year. Gabby, where do, which one do you want me to go to? Mom and dad and, and grandma and grandpa are flying up from Florida to Maryland for this play. Dad, you're going to come to Sundays. That's the blowout. All the seats are sold out. I said, I'm on it. So I bought these tickets for grandma and grandpa. Come on, fly up. Uh, mom, me, some friends. Come on. We go to the high school, mount the sales in Baltimore. Three o'clock to go to the play. Parking lot's packed. We walk in. The play is ending. Grandma and grandpa spent about a thousand dollars i got the time wrong by two hours the play started at one o'clock three o'clock the only time i ever had to see my daughter star in a play i blew it saw nothing and and wasted wasted grandma and grandpa's cash flight etc etc so that was a i call that epic and and, and my daughter wasn't very pleased either oh. I mean, that's a father and son duo combo <laughs> fail that's awesome <laughs> yeah thank you for your vulnerability man let it out let it out man love it love it chris my man yeah i'm trying i'm trying to pick uh but um a few years ago we're, i was at a uh fourth of july party at a friend's house and they had this massive uh water slide just playhouse thing and my, my daughters are pretty shy like they need a little time to warm up and then they'll they'll riot um, so once, once they warmed up, once, once she warmed up, she was up and down the slide, up and down the slide. And I think I'd gone inside or I was in the front yard or something, grabbing a drink or something, enjoying myself. And someone comes in and tells me that Eleanor is outside. She's hurt and she's crying. And I go out there first. It's, it's dark outside. No one else is in the backyard. So she must've like hurt herself and just sat there and everyone like left her there, but she's sitting there in the dark in the water crying snot and a little bit of blood coming out of her nose what had happened was she the girl who slid down the slide before her didn't get off and she slid into her nose into the back of this kid's head so she's sitting there and i'm just inside enjoying myself <laughs> she's in the dark bleeding and snot from her nose felt felt terrible dude man if them slides man well at least your kid like so my kid goes does anybody else have this where the kids go up the slide like they just start going up. I'm like, dude, it's meant to go down. I, I know you want to climb, but okay. I, feel you. I go up the slide. You go up the slide? <laughs> oh, it's it. It's it. I'm a bad example. I don't know. I just made me up too. So, okay. Very good, fellas. Let, let's, let's, let's keep it rolling here. So when we're, when we're talking about, when I was talking about doing this pod, right? When I was talking about doing this pod with, um, with, with father Pat, who didn't, who then bailed, I mean, you, you, you find yourself like thinking like, like what kind of example am I as a father? Especially, so I love starting with with epic fails because it's those epic fails that kind of lead to, at least for me, like th these these triumphs, right? And they're they're lessons and and things. And I've I've had things where I've been on the scene when my kid breaks her arm. I didn't I didn't lead with those, but I've had those uh, moments as well. And so, with that said, like with with those epic triumphs and stuff, but even prior to that, when I, when I first found out, like I was going to be a dad, man, all kinds of things rushed through my mind. And I immediately go to my own, you know, experience, my own, my own stuff with, with my own dad. And, and that, and that was a rocky road uh, to stay the least and, and on the road to healing and prayer and all that. But it wasn't until a priest got in there um, who was able to help me like recognize like, Hey, not only like, if you want to be holy, you want to be a saint. First thing you got to do is you got to drop off the baggage. You got to you got to let go of the garbage, right? And some of that is that resentment, that father wound. Uh, so going from father wound to the father's heart, right? And that's the the journey that I've been on. So, and I just wanted to hear, like, kind of like your journey as well as becoming becoming a, a father yourself. And I want to start with with Kevin because I think uh, out of everybody's story, I think yours is a little unique in <clears throat> where you're trying to find God's will. In moments where you feel like, well, am I called to be a father? And and then there's the yes from the Lord, and there's this like faithfulness. So I don't know, Kevin. I would love to just hear like that story because I've I've never asked you before, but I know a little bit uh, of just use your story of like being a faithful son to God the Father, and then like Him preparing you. Like, what was that like to be prepared uh, to be a father? And we can all join in in reaction. But go ahead, Kev. You're, yeah, man. Thanks, Josh. So yeah, my wife and I got married. We wanted to have a family of 10. We wanted tons of kids. And we found out about six months later that we could have zero kids. God didn't bless us that way. 
it was like a guillotine had entered into our marriage because um, my wife wanted to do in vitro. And, and, um, and after some research and study, I realized the Catholic Church was against it. And it was like Hatfield and McCoy all of a sudden came into our honeymoon. Brutal. I mean, just brutal, unspeakable. Not only, not only are, you, are you crushed by infertility, but, but then you're crushed by the, the, the split in the marriage. Um, so, so it's a long story. I'll, I'll try and cut to the chase. It was some real, real dark times, unspeakable dark times. Um, but uh, this is what happened. Um, went to my uncle, who's a priest, and uh, I kept my wife, Krista, away from him because I knew it would be two against one. He'd say, hey, man, you know, it's, you know, it goes against God's will, this in vitro fertilization. Embryos are put at risk. It's an unnatural way of bringing children into the world. Um so finally, we was spiraling out of control. So we met and he talked for about two hours on the back deck of his rectory on a beautiful summer night, um, actually in June, 20 years ago. And um, he explained redemptive suffering and explained that sometimes we don't understand God's plan and we don't, we don't need to understand it. We just need to trust in him. Um, he said, we're in a cave. All our sisters, all our cousins, all our friends were having pregnant, having babies left, right, and center, but we could have none. But we were to trust God's strange providence. And Krista, you know, the water, the tears are coming down, waterworks are coming down. And so we left that night understanding uh, at least what redemptive suffering was and trust in darkness, trust in pain. And Krista cried the whole way home. And my uncle, the priest, was murdered in his rectory two nights later. Um, and it was in the aftermath of that murder that Krista had lost her newfound shepherd that explained to her, you know, the truth about children and bringing children to the world. And I thought, oh, man, I'm screwed. I'm done. This now now we're going to get divorced. He's gone now. But she said, you know what? What he said about trusting in darkness, trusting about God's mysterious plan of bringing children to this world made sense. Kevin, let's adopt. And at that moment, um, it was bar, bar, bar. It was jackpot. It was lottery ticket. And, um, you know, within the within the overwhelming horror show of my uncle being murdered, um, fruit was born. Um, and all these years later, three adopted children later, 20, 18, and 13, if we had not met with him two days prior to his murder providentially, and remember, I kept her away from him because it's no fun to be two against one, especially with the priest. Um, so providentially, God said, or the Holy Spirit said, get your butt over to the rectory now. And I did. And he changed our lives. So, yeah, so that's how we started our family. And, uh, and that changed everything. So we're, 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 we're greatly blessed. Uh, we, we're, we're the fruit from a very dark thing that happened. Mm -hmm. Dude. And that's why I wanted to, to to start with it. And and you know, man, it's gonna suck to who follows that. But the the honest thing about that is like you took something that was, you know, sour grapes and and like this is the hand that you're dealt. And then the Lord like still finds a way to like through the spiritual fatherhood, I would say, of your uncle of of, of Father Wells, like that really like stayed with Krista as well. So that was like something I, you know, I think everybody should should hear. So thanks so much for for sharing that. So that would be I would say that's a, that's a triumph, man. It's a, it's a triumph for the Lord too. Right. And so in that, so allowing that yes to be made, you know, actualized and for fruit to come out of uh, a situation that you, you said it yourself, like you felt like the sun wasn't there. It was dark. Right. And so, and then here we are now, what, 20 years later, you have a 2018, right? 2018 and 13. Yep. Dude. That's crazy. How's that teenager doing? How's that 13 doing? Pain in the ass. <laughs> there, you, <laughs> there you go. Chris, man, what do you think? Um, moments of epic triumphs where you felt like the Lord was kind of guiding maybe your own fatherhood, right? Yes, moments of triumphs. Um, I mean, just to begin with, I, I think I was, well, I know I was very blessed to have, you know, great parents and a, a great dad. Um, you know, obviously no one's perfect. I think what um, the two things I, I took from him being a, 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 my father is um, he wasn't very vocal about how he's emotionally. Um, so I know like I've been, tr I, I've been working on, being vocal of my love for my girls and, and, and to my wife. Um, 
so letting them know they're loved, letting, letting them know they're, they're beautiful and that I, and I, uh, I believe in them. And, um, the other thing I'm taking from him is, is that when I was, when I was younger, he worked offshore. So he would be gone uh, quite a bit. Uh, but as soon as he got back, he had dedicated time for each one of us individually. Um, he would take us on a, a, a day fishing trip just individually. Um, or he would be, he would be with us. Um, he would be with us as a group. Uh, so he, he, he may not have been vocal, but he showed his love. Even to this day, uh, we're a missionary family and, you know, we're, uh, we're, we're living with my parents, our biggest supporters. Um, he would, you know, take his shirt off his back and shoes off his feet to give to anyone. But he, but I, I know he loves me. Uh, maybe not because of what he says, but what he does. Um, and just for myself, I, I can't think of any big triumphs, but one that I'm, very proud of that I had to grow in is, is, you know, with, with young kids, you know, not knowing how to always express themselves, their, their emotions verbally. Um, you know, most of the time when they have a tantrum or, or they're acting up, they're being rude. They're not just being rude to be rude or a little punk, but it's like, they don't have the words to express how they're feeling. Um, and I have that issue. That's what I have to work on, on my words. Uh, so whenever I am able to slow down, cause you know, like, my wife all the way down to my two daughters are very tactile. So like if anything, give them a hug <laughs> when they're raging or, or, or upset or, or whatever, give them a hug. Uh, but you know, when you're pissed and you're like, I just want to throw you across the room, you don't even want to be in the same room with them, much less hug them. Uh, but when I am able to slow down and just remember there's something else going on, she's not just, you know, being rude or, or anything like that. And I'm able to ask, Hey, do you, can I give you a hug? Do you want me to give you a hug? And the answer is always yes. Um, so for me to be able to slow down, be patient, um, and give them a hug is always like, uh, a great triumph for me, you know, cause it definitely is a struggle when they're, you're raging in your face. <laughs> yeah. What I was saying was <laughs> the, to be able to just diffuse the situation by dropping that, you know, that hug, man, that big bear hug. And I mean, if your kids can, can receive it. So I have kids that like, yeah, totally. They, they, they welcome that, that physical touch. They welcome that warmth, uh, warmth from Papa. Right. But some, uh, uh, they're like, no way. I just need five minutes away, <laughs> you know? And so I got to take them for a walk. We got to take it for a walk. And so for, for some, it's different strokes, so man, on, on that, man. But that's that's a beautiful thing that you're able to to carry that on and to have that almost that ministry of presence, right? And then that special touch that only you can give, right? That, that only you can give. So I, I really love that. What do you got? Uh, Taylor, what do you think, man? Uh, an epic triumph where kind of maybe God has shown shown you his fatherhood like through through your own? Yeah, 100%. Like, 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 like one of the things that I, I, like, I grew up playing sports. sports. I grew up like, being a guy, guy injured, injured. Like, my, my blood, blood doesn't bother me. Everybody, everybody else is. No one. Like, I'm, I'm not. not that's, that's somebody else. Somebody else. So here I am uh, for our second for our child. child. My wife my goes into labor, labor water breaks. breaks. We're driving down the highway. We get 10 minutes down the highway. And, like, she's having, like, you know, I we're we're going 100 miles an hour trying to get to the hospital. She's like, I'm having the baby. I'm like, sure you are, honey. And she's like, no, I've had all the baby. And I put my hand down. I feel my baby's head. And I'm like, okay. Like, this is happening right here as we're barreling down the highway. So I slam on the brakes. And I run over to the other side. And I catch the baby. And they're been around birth like there's lots of blood. It's it's twenty degrees, degrees outside. outside. I'm like I'm, I'm holding her and like I know nothing about the science. science. And, and you know, you know all, all the like I think all the time about all the thousands of things that could have gone wrong. And none of it, none of it did. You know, and like so like God, God just totally blessed that moment because like like I could have lost my kid, right? And and. Everything, Everything worked perfectly, perfectly fine, fine in, like, in probably, probably the moment, moment that I was, I was prepared, prepared for in my entire life. Dude, Taylor, 
So Mike might know <laughs> uh, as maybe even Kevin, like that story resonates a lot with me. Cause I had my, like I had my, my, my wife had her kid. We were on the highway. We were, we were also driving to the, to the hospital and I didn't get even a chance to even catch the baby. <laughs> uh, my wife, you know, she, she had to do it. So we were on the highway and, and that was like, you talk about epic fail. Like I felt like the worst dad ever in that moment. Like I was like, we, and this is my third, and this, again, this is my, my Maria, my third kid. And, and this is this moment where, you know, you think you got it all right. You, you know, you're, you're timing the contractions as a dad, right? You, all the kids are taking care of, you got a babysitter. Like this is the night, this was new year's, new year's Eve. Right. And you're like, I've done everything. Towels are ready. Bag is ready. Car is ready. Let's go. Right. And then my wife's, you know, pacing through and she's like, I don't think it's time for uh, the baby. I, I think this is just a false alarm, you know? And I'm like, okay. And then she starts like getting up and cleaning and polishing up things. I'm like things, she found things to clean that we've never cleaned before ever. And yet this was the night to do it. And I'm just sitting here like watching the ball job, get a little smooch. She's like, I got to pass out. I'm tired. I pass out on the couch. Right. And she's sleeping. And then all of a sudden uh, she's passed out and she wakes up and she's like, man, these, these, these really hurt. Like these contractions, like, man, and I'm like, all right. And I'm like, all right, let me, let me go ahead and, and, and count it off when you get your contractions. These, these suckers were like four minutes apart. Right. And we we're like, Oh no. Like, what do you do at this point? So I'm like, you know, we can, we can hustle it up. We can go. So I made, make the judgment call with her. We're like, let's go. We, we, we hustle over to the, to, uh, and it's new year's and I'm speeding. And you would think cops are out, man. They're waiting. They're, they're ready. Sirens are going, they, they're ready to pull your ass over because you know, drunk driving, man, there wasn't a cop in sight. I was going down that thing, speeding all kinds of, I'm, I'm waiting for, I want a convoy. I want, you know, Mr. Popo to come escort me into the hospital. You know, we're praying hail Mary's my hands turning blue because she's squeezing this thing. And I'm, you know, so scared that like, this is like going to be remembered as like my, the biggest dad, dad fail ever. Right. And then sure enough, my wife saves the day and I didn't even catch the baby. She, you know, she, she looks at me and then, you know, she had sweatpants on baby's crowning the whole thing, grabs baby by the shoulders, puts her in a pea coat. And then that was, that's all she wrote. And I never thought I'd say these words running into the emergency room and say, my wife gave birth in a Mazda. Come on out here. The baby's here. And, and sure enough. And like the nurse is there trying to, you know, help out. And this is the nurse and the doctor and the doctor's asking for things and all kinds of things. And the nurse is like shaking, she's shaking, trembling. And I know Mike's wife works, you know, um, you know, in these situations as well. Like, yo, you wanted to like, you know what to do. This lady was like shaking. She was like, it's my first day. And I'm like, Oh, poor girl. Yeah. You know? And so, yeah, that was, that was a hell of a, of a moment. So leave it to Taylor's story to, to resurrect my story of, of how Maria was born. But you talk about a moment of just sitting back and watching and just watching God, like say like, you know what? I'm going to give you this most randomest story and you're not going to have any control. What now? It's not on you. What are you going to do? Like everything you, you thought you had a system with your three kids. I'm going to just throw it on you. And so in that moment, I was like, there you go. Okay, Jesus. Okay, Lord, I, I give it to you. I'm still a child. You're still the master, you know, but anyway, someone else besides me, uh, let's, let's get it going. Um, I think I'm the only one left. I think yes. everyone else has shared these epic stories that are, I feel like, man, I can't, I can't, I've never caught a baby or any of that stuff. So thank, thank you guys for, for sharing all that. Those are fantastic. Um, I guess kind of one of the like pivotal moments for me as a dad was as, as Josh knows, I, I taught at a, a Catholic high school theology teacher for 14 years. And then just about a year or so ago, um, I discerned that I was going to be a stay at home dad and, uh, kind of make my, my side gig of doing, you know, worship leading and, and, and speaking and podcasting. I was going to try to make that, uh, more of, more of my focus, but really the, the main discernment was not about the professional side of it. It was just about the personal side of it. And, and being home with my kids and my wife is a, a bit younger than me. And, um, 
you know, for the first part of our, our marriage, she had, she had been more home with the kids and she had just uh, reached a major milestone in, in her career, becoming a nurse practitioner. Um, and so she was discerning and I was discerning. We were both praying and, and she was kind of wanting, wanting to, to lean more into the professional world. And I was, I was feeling like called away from it. Like I've, I've been with, um, you know, I've, I've taught other people's kids for like 14 years. Like maybe I want to focus on my own kids. You know, I've, I had kids a lot later than a lot of my friends and a lot of people in my family. And it's been, so I, I was praying about it and I was keeping like a little chart in my prayer journal. I was doing the whole Ignatian, uh, spirituality discernment thing. And, uh, I did a men's retreat down in Georgia. Uh, this is February of 2020. And, uh, just that whole weekend I was like, all right, I'm going to take this. It was, uh, it was like half of a silent retreat. Like I gave all the talks, but the, it was, it was pretty silent for, for the first half of the retreat. And so I was just like, all right, I'm just going to take this weekend and just pray and just pray and just pray. And, and really just asking the Lord for, for like signs and confirmation. And by the end of the weekend, I didn't really feel like I had received like any overt signs like from God, but just kind of this quiet confirmation in my heart. And I'm looking back through my prayer journal over the past, like six months to eight months and realizing like more often than not, God is kind of putting me in this direction. It's kind of, kind of like the, you know, you look at all the, the plot data points on a, on a scatter graph on a scatter plot, and you could kind of see the, the trend you could see, um, you know, over time, like consistently, this is where my heart was when I prayed and when I took it to prayer. Um, and so I was like, all right, well, God hasn't given me like an overt sign, but he's been telling me in small ways, it seems, um, over the past few months. And so like, I'm going to, I'm going to step forward in faith. I'm going to say, all right, God, I'm going to do this. Um, now I, I get, so I, I fly home from Georgia retreat went great. I like fly into BWI I'm driving home and I step out of my car and in my driveway, I look up and it's like the most beautiful full moon I've ever seen. And it's like, there's a thin overcast of clouds. And so it makes the moon look even bigger. It has like a halo around it. It's like huge, enormous. Now for my whole life, like a full moon is I've kind of always seen as like a, a, like a cool omen from God, like a cool little sign, like, ah, I'm looking out for you. Like whenever I see a beautiful moon, I'm just, it just reminds me of like how much God loves us that like he put this beautiful thing in the sky. Um, and there'd been this beautiful full moon all weekend, but for some reason I hadn't like clicked that like, oh, that's like, you know, off in a way that I'm reminded of, of God's love. And it wasn't until after the weekend when I'd already decided, even in the absence of a sign, I'm going to step forward in faith. And then boom, God gives me like this sign that he's given me a bunch of other important times in my life. And like, finally, it was just like this realization in my head. And, uh, I was like, it was kind of at that moment that I was like, all right, I'm going to do this. And then COVID hit and I was like, oh, this is a bad time to quit your job. Uh, so it like real, but, but then at the end of that year, my wife and I were just thinking about it and praying about it. It was like, you know, we, we prayed about this. And even though this is a bad time to quit your job and not a, a part of time that makes, makes sense. Like it was right before this happened that we feel like God was, was calling us in a different direction. So we're just going to step forward in faith. And it has totally been confirmed by just like the peace in our hearts and our, our home life over the past year and a half that like, this was totally the right decision. And, um, yeah, so that is not as not as epic as catching a baby in a in, in a car or some of your other stories, but that's uh I, I feel like that was a major moment where God just kind of spoke spoke to the the father in my heart, you know. Dude, nah, like it is super epic because it's so fresh. Like it's so I mean, in, mm. in the sense that it, this just happened, like we're just coming off the heels of of COVID, right? And and if if you didn't say it, I was thinking it in my mind, like over like the year, I was like. Yo, Mike, I was like praying hardcore. I was like, this blows. And, and, and so many other friends that have been caught in that situation. I know friends that were furloughed who are youth ministers. I don't like, I don't know what they do in Texas. That's just another world. I don't know how y'all do it, but in the Catholic church here, like people were, you know, like youth ministers had to figure out quick how to make themselves like, you know, not expendable, right. Learning the live stream, offering, taking up other jobs, you know, and doubling up because, if it was just youth ministry, if that was no longer on the table, right? Parishes that had to make that cut, right? And so truly, truly, truly COVID really tested, you know, you know, our faithfulness and, and, and maybe doubted of, you know, and, or, or had us doubting of our own, of our own fatherhood. Um, and so I don't know, was, was there like, and then, and this is for everybody here, um, in, in times like, like those in times like these, like, who has been like a, a spiritual father to you? Like shout out now to, to our spiritual fathers, our mentors, our coaches, our teachers, 
right? Our priests. Uh, is there a spiritual father right now that you can kind of, you know, want to want to shout them out in, in a particular moment where, you know, God shined through them uh, to uh, to let you know, like, hey, I got you, right? This isn't your biological daddy, um, but this is your spiritual one. Is there someone like that for uh, for you, uh, Kevin? Uh, yeah, there is. I got a few, but but first of all, I want to say, hey, Mike, that's a beautiful testimony to faith. I mean, it's 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 almost staggering to me. You made a decision. You saw it through during the worst time, maybe in the history of America. The and you just said, you know what, God, I trust you now. And the fact that your wife supported you in it, and you you were united. It's really heartening to me. It's beautiful. I just want to I just want to let you know. Thank you. Uh, yeah. So, so I got tons of spiritual, fight, but, but I, you know, I, I grew up in the shadow of this priest, Monsignor Tom Wells, my uncle, my dad's brother, you know, I used to ride my bike to his rectory at the age of seven years old. He, he sort of raised me in the faith and um, I traveled the world with him. Uh, we drove across country to Yellowstone. We went to Ireland a few times, been to Canada skiing, just, but, but the, but the thing, you know, we, we, we all got a million stories about our spiritual fathers, but the thing that, that he most, I guess his greatest impact on my life was this. If you're not rooted every day of your life in prayer, then everything you do in life is not going to work. Because if your umbilical cord is cut due to lack of prayer, then you can shuck and jive and you can move and you can work here and you can date this girl and you can do this and that. But if you're not praying every single day, and you don't have Marian intentionality, a devotion to Mary through the rosary, and you're not Eucharistic. That's tough. That's tough for a nine-year-old to hear who doesn't really absorb these things. Um, then you don't have a shot. So at the earliest age, he he sort of slammed into me the necessity of devoted prayer. So so to this very day, um, I, I I think I think the most important aspect of my life is, you know, you can talk about fasting, you can talk about, you know, redemptive suffering, little acts of charity and generosity, but it all, the bedrock of all is prayer. And that's because of my spiritual father, Monsignor Thomas Wells, and he's the priest who passed away. Thank you, brother. Yeah. Um, Thomas Wells, man, Father Thomas Wells, he was uh, a local priest uh, when, when I was growing up. And I remember his impact on the community. Right. So he left a, a lasting imprint in the, in the best of ways. So shout out to him up in heaven, watching us all. Here we go. Taylor, you with us? Yeah. We got man spiritual father to you. Yeah. Ironically, it's, it's interesting. Cause like, you know, we, we had kind of talked about it before and I was thinking about like spiritual fathers over the, like over my entire life, but how you just phrased the question just got me thinking like, uh, like, you know, because we were talking about over the last year after Mike's story and like, uh, ironically enough, like I we have had a lot of local issues with like we, we've had a lot of priests here locally in my parish that have been moved for certain reasons that are no longer priests for certain reasons. Uh, like so like spiritual fatherhood has been really difficult for me over the last couple of years because they like literally every like we left our parish because we were finally done with these men being our leaders went to another parish and that priest got removed from the priesthood for doing something wrong too. And like, it's just like, we just didn't have a home. We didn't have a father. And so like, it, 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 it's, it's a, I was thinking about it as you were talking and I was like, my spiritual father recently has actually been like someone who is a brother to me. It's one of my best friends is a priest who is my age. Right. So it's weird to be like a spiritual father, but like, that's what, priests our age are right there are spiritual fathers who are also our brothers and i tell you what um my priest friend uh, father anthony sharapa like he he i'm going to see him next week he has been it's been he has done nothing special all we've been his friends over the you know we've been friends for five years but like over the last year and a half all we've done is spend time together and he's been a tremendous priest in my life which has been really healing for me um over the last couple of years as we've been dealing with some struggles here locally. And it, so it's, a, it's an interesting answer to, to uh, it's not the answer that I thought I was going to be giving. Right. Cause I was thinking more the guys who f fed into me when I was younger and, and, and helped you know, train me in ministry. That's kind of that sort of thing. But after, after Mike was talking and after you were talking, it's just, yeah, like the, the, the spiritual father in my life has been a guy who I, who is my best friend, my brother, 
at Priest. So that's been that's been really special. That's on the money. That's on the money, man. And and God gives them the grace to to do that and to be that. And oftentimes, I mean, I'm glad that you you're able to find that. Like, I don't know for me, it's like it, it would be a roadblock. But once you get past that roadblock, like man, how they shine, man, how they shine, how the Lord equips them in their priesthood, that grace of holy orders allows them to, to be that for you. That's, that's sick, man. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. Let's keep it going here. Who's, who do we got? I can go. Give it. So, give, so give for it. me, really my whole life, my, my spiritual fathers have been my two older brothers, Brian and David. And, um, yeah, my dad only became Catholic a, a couple of years ago. He always went to Catholic church with us um, just because he thought it was good for the family to be united in that. And he wanted to support my mom. Um, but he he never was, you know, he, I think he always believed in God, but it's, uh, he, he never, um, you know, he wasn't the one that talked to us about God. My mom was the one that talked to us about God. Um, and so the, it was really my brothers when they got older and got involved in uh, the youth group at our church, that, which is where Josh and I met. We had an awesome youth group at our, um, at our parish. And, uh, you know, so from, and my brothers are seven and five years older than me. So I'm, I'm definitely a lot, uh, a lot younger than them. And just so, but my whole mem all my memories of my life, I've had these two older brothers who were men of prayer, uh, liked the church, um, liked going to church, had friends at church, you know, on church on Sunday after church ended, they were talking to their friends. And so just like church was, was like a cool thing to do. And it was like, it, it, it was where you found your, your morals and your identity. And so I've just always had that, um, that modeled by them. And I have memories of, of both my brothers, like helping me to uh, develop a prayer life. Uh, Kevin, you were talking about how, how prayer is essential. Like the first time I prayed anything more than just like a memorized prayer was I was upset because like a friend was moving away and my older brother, Brian, I was like seven was like, Oh, you can pray about that. And like, that was the beginning of me, like going to bed at night. And before I went to bed, praying for things, just starting those petitions. And then, uh, my, my brother, Dave, when he went to college, he went to Loyola university in Baltimore and they had like this prayer book for students. And when he came home from, uh, from just a break, he was there and he just gave me this, this prayer book. And so that would stay on my, my bedside at night before I'd go to bed at night, I would just like take a random prayer from that. And so my brothers were really the ones that, that started and planted this seed of like praying is something that that, that a man does and praying is like part of what helps us to be good men. And, um, so just uh, through my whole life, you know, we, we, you know, we don't agree on everything. We debate, uh, stuff and, you know, we're always sending each other articles, but, you know, but we pray for each other and we support each other and we respect each other. And just, so my whole life, my, my older brothers have been, um, just spiritual, real spiritual fathers to me. Very good. Very good. The brothers, the brothers, very good. Chris? Yeah, I can't I, I can't think of any, like, consistent men in my life who have been, like, you know, spiritual fathers. But uh, I was told people, like, one of the blessings of being in, like, youth ministry is I get to see, like, solid uh, parents. I get to see people, like, doing it right or doing it the way I, I hope I can do it. So I've had some really good examples of, of fatherhood. Uh, even, even amongst, you know, my, my friend's dads, I can think back to college when I was just totally screwing around for a year and a half, had no plans, suspended from school, all this stuff. And, um, no one was really challenging me as far as adults went, but a friend of mine, a friend of mine's dad, Mike, he, uh, we're hanging out and he's just like, you need to get your shit together. And I was like, you're right. <laughs> just plain and simple, but no one had spoken into my life in that way as much of a challenge. And, uh, I can even think back to uh, my youth minister, I think at the time in high school, I, I kind of had an inkling of an interest in ministry, but not really. But once I did, uh, you know, kind of find my calling in ministry, I, I remember thinking back to uh, when he got to our church, he was single, and then we got to experience him get married and start having kids. But before he started having kids, you know, he would be with us, you know, after youth group in the parking lot for an, for an extra hour or two hours or whatever, just, just talking. But once he got married, and once he started having kids, once youth group or whatever the function was over, he went home and we had to go. And I remember that being an example of, Hey, like no matter what my calling is, my family has to come first, you know, and ministry, no matter what kind of ministry you, you're in, you can very much let things fall by the wayside, you know, cause it's a passion of yours. Uh, and, uh, but he showed me that like, like, you know, the ministry is good and holy, but they've got to come first. 
um, even just recently, uh, one of my former bosses, Any, um, we were at a at a, a friend's house around a fire and having whiskey, and he had actually brought uh, his his oldest son, and it's just a cool thing to see a man uh, who just has solid, smart, cool kids, and who he can be really honest with. Just to sit here around a fire and hear this kid talk about, um, you know, his uh, plans for life and his his philosophy and and um, and his questioning of of. Uh, and belief in faith and what kids his age are thinking now, um, but in an intelligent way. And and his his dad just sitting there being like, "Yep, you're right. That's that's my kid." <laughs> um, just just being able to instill confidence um, in your kids was was just a really cool thing to sit and behold. Um, yeah, I love it, man. Sometimes those those father figures are for a moment in time. And and that's it for that fixed amount of time. Whether you were in your in your career in your in your youth ministry, I know that for me when I was in high school, right, it was those volunteers, those volunteers that offered their time, like dads that just devoted their weekend, said, "I'm yours for the weekend. Where do you want me?" And I remembered that as a high schooler, like I remember that I always remember that as a high schooler, high schooler, and I was like, "Oh man, like that's cool. Like you know, where's my dad out? You know?" But like this guy was here, I was like, "That's that's really awesome. It was a great witness," and. um, I remember that, but one, one for me, and it's one that I maybe just hearing your guys' story. I never really thought about it more, but I was like, it, it was unexpected was my, my father-in-law was my father-in-law, man. And this guy is un, very unassuming, very small, very humble dude. Like, you know, got a little John Wayne thing going on, you know, and he's just old school cat from Minnesota, rural Minnesota. And doesn't say much at all. Like he, he's got his tea, you know, he drinks like water from the well, you know, he's just this chill cat. And, and here I am like, and, and, for, and to him, I'm like this city slicker kind of thing. I'm like, man, come on, suburbia, like whatever. Like, but he's just like this gentle man, this gentle man who has a, a faith, like a giant, like we're talking like he goes, like I go to, I go to holy hour, like at 3 a.m. And I fall asleep at 3 a.m. in front of the Lord. Like, no shame. He's actually going to 3 a.m. And he's rocking it out till like 5 a.m. And he is totally locked in, totally focused. And I was like, man, that's the man I want to be. And I'm saying that at 32, 31, 30. And, and I get a front row seat, like, you know, to, to see this guy, you know, doing his thing. So I'm so like... So I, I love the summertime because I get to hang out with my dad for a second. You know, I, I get to go out to the farm and just for 10 days unplug, you know, he's, he didn't say it. I think my man has dial up. He's got some kind of, and he got AOL like internet or something because his internet is, it's for the best thing because I can't get online my phone. I'm, I'm out there. And I mean, you want to go, I, I got to go to like Tim Hortons or some, or some place to like plug in. Um, and I just love hanging out with him and just like watching the sunsets and sunrises. He's already up. His farm has been like, he's, he's retired. You know, he goes and he does janitorial work just because he doesn't want to just be at home, just doing nothing. So, so rather than like watching, I love Lucy, like over and over, like he, he goes out and he cleans up the, the Lutheran church and then he cleans up the Catholic church. And he like, and he has stories upon like, he's just a chill man. And like, and I'm just like, so in awe of him that um, I want to tell him when I see him uh, because it's just so cool. Um, and so, and he's the one that, you know, raised my wife, man, raised my person. And so that's even better. So it's cool. It's cool. And so, yeah, man, we're just coming up, coming up on it. So again, fellas, Anything? What What do we need to know about you know fatherhood or I don't know like a, a Catholic fatherhood if there is a you know there is a thing but man anything man anything you want to say to our elders what do you I, got uh, so, Chris what do you got yeah just something happened recently this week I I got to have beers with uh, a guy I just met on Monday and um, one of the you know the guy I mentioned to you who read the article and just wanted to meet and hang out. Right. So we grabbed beers and, and one of his questions was, was he, he feels like he's, he's discerned outside of, he's discerned out of priesthood and, and feels called to, to marriage and to uh, be a father. And I think he's a, he's a junior in college, I believe, sophomore or junior. And 
he asked me like, what can I be doing to prepare for right now for fatherhood and for to be, to be a husband? And, you know, he had the faith and prayer. I was like, keep that going. But, um, one thing I've learned, like, like seeing my, my wife go through her healing and her healing process, uh, I was just like, you just need to continue working on yourself. Like you're young. So work on being a good person. Uh, cause you're going to enter into someone else's life and, and whatever baggage you have now that you have not dealt with, uh, it'll never go away, but like, you're going to be bringing that in that woundedness, that, that hurtfulness into another, into your relationship. Sure. Um, and, and then it's going to also be, you know, you know, possibly foisted upon your kids. The, the, the wounds you might have can be repeated or, or, you know, whatever, whatever, um, happens, but just that working on yourself now uh emotionally mentally spiritually physically um so that you can be the best you the best person to enter into you know um marriage to enter into being a father um that was that was my yeah. my uh, example of him that's that generational wound right that 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 cycle is in that keeps that keeps coming out i'm with you i'm with you totally until you said physically and i was like man i can't take my bet my dad by with me come on now Let's keep going. Let's keep it going. Uh, Kevin, what do you got, man? So as I mentioned earlier, I I like to write. I write a fair fair amount of articles. I just finished an article today. It'll be on Crisis Magazine on Father's Day uh, in a couple of days, and it's on fatherhood. And um, what I had written about was this. Uh, And I I really think a a lot of all of this boils down to one thing. So Thomas Aquinas, back in the day, the doctor, the good doctor said, he defined effeminacy as man not wanting to take something on. So in his comfort, he's reluctant to step into something that he knows he should because his eyes see it. But the comfort says, I'm going to shy away. I'm going to divert, divert my eyesight because I don't, I don't want to take it on. So I think fatherhood, and we saw what happened with the McCarrick scandal and the rot and the sin and the, and the cover up from the other bishops, and they didn't want to take it on. And, and even with COVID, the, the, the immediate shutdown of all the churches, blackout throughout America, throughout the world, they didn't want to take something on. They just sort of reacted to what the government did, um, rather than really spending the time as a father must to spiritually understand his, his orphaned children. Rather, Shut it down because I don't want to take it on. Very effeminate behavior. Um, so it all kind of, and thinking about it and writing this piece, I thought it all comes down to one thing, it comes down to a choice. So we make this choice. Do I want to take something on for my three kids that are behind this wall right here and, and die to myself, sacrifice for them, lead them somewhere? Or do I want to dial dial out and just stay on the, uh, the internet after we finish our podcast and just do whatever else? It's a choice. So it's like Therese Lassou, minute by minute by minute, we make a choice. Are we going to sacrifice or are we not? So fatherhood for me comes down to the choice to leave my comfort and, and not be effeminate as Aquinas defend, uh, defined it. And I think we have a massive problem with effeminacy. Um, in 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 uh, with men worldwide because we're too comfortable. Again, the way Aquinas defined it. Or am I going to sacrifice like Christ did on the cross to redeem all of mankind? Thank you, man. Thank you, Kev. Let's go, Mike. So when I think about being a man and think about being a father, like something that I, I keep coming back to, and I, I, somebody probably shared this with me. This probably isn't an original thought. I know I'm sure it's not an original thought, but just something that. I, frequently comes to me in prayer, frequently comes to me when I'm like trying to get a screaming child to bed at 4am is that my, my sense of masculinity, my sense of being a man, um, you know, we talked, Kevin, you just talked about not being effeminate. Um, and just my sense of being a father is intimately tied to my, my being a son, like first and foremost, the, the, the way that I'm a good man is by being a good son to the father. The way that I'm a good father is by being a good son to the father and like accepting his love and like following him and learning from him. And like, only then can I, I reflect it, you know? And, and I, I think especially in uh, the last year, as I've kind of stepped out of uh, in, in st- stereotypically, I have taken on a less masculine role. You know, I was like the breadwinner from my house and now my wife is making most of the money and I'm like 
cooking most of the meals, changing most of the diapers. Many people would look at that in kind of a stereotypical way and say that is less masculine. But I think one of the things that has helped me in my self-understanding as a man is like, I don't get my understanding of what it means to be a father or what it gets means to be a man from like cultural stereotypes. The where I get my understanding of manhood and where I get my understanding of fatherhood is from being a good son of God and being like Christ. Like Christ is my objective for what it means to be a father, even though he was he was never a biological father. Like he is my model of manhood. He is my 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 model of um. Uh, of being a good father. And so just, you know, and he, he broke all sorts of stereotypes. So anyway, I've, I've just um, really, really been digging into that and just like trying to reflect on the gospel and be like, you know, to be a man like Christ, like that's what it means to be a real man. That's what it means to be a real father. So that's just something I, I try to keep in mind. Dude. Amen. Amen. Very good fellas. fellas. Taylor, your contribution. What do you got? We look like a nineties. So we have a little private chat going. We look like a nineties boy band reuniting. Let us know in the comments if that is true. Don't say <laughs> Kevin Wells. You are not the manager. Taylor says, don't sell yourself short. Every boy band has that one older dude. Very good. <laughs> in the backstreet boys, the older guy is named Kevin. So there you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Did y'all see that commercial where it's like three fifths of the Backstreet Boys come to sing and they don't want them there? But oh wait, like, no, it was the InSync guys, right? The it three... was it InSync. Yeah, and, and then yeah, I, I I just watched the Friends reunion, so I'm looking at us as all you guys are talking and sharing these deep things, and I'm like, we look like a '90s boy band 30 years <laughs> later. Like that's exactly what we look like. <laughs> I take that as a high compliment. Everybody, <laughs> love it, love it, love it, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks so much for rocking with us. Uh, <laughs> Let's let's say a prayer and get up out of here, man. Go be fathers, and then uh, a special shout out to to all all those right who are 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 looking to be fathers, who are discerning whether or not God is leading them there. Uh, all those that are that are still still in this place of uncertainty or wherever God wants to lead them, our spiritual fathers, whoever they be, clergy or otherwise, and let's pray for them and uh, the church, of course. And our families, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this time that you've given us a, a chance to um, recollect and to and to un, to to hear out other other stories of epic fails and triumphs. In your name, we ask that you just bless these men, help us to go out and be good sons, and who are zealously seeking you and seeking your face, and able to portray that that same fatherhood that you show us uh, to our children. If that be your will, always. And forever help us, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Fellas, thanks so much for being with us. My pleasure. Thanks for having us on. Yeah. I guess stay stay on, uh, my man, stay on as, as as we close. But ladies and gentlemen, you've been rocking with the best, the Holy Ruckus podcast, your favorite podcast, new favorite podcast. We're so excited to have you with us. Thanks so much. Stay tuned uh, for the summer season for new blogs, a new website that keeps getting pushed back. We'll figure it out. Thanks so much. Enjoy your weekend. Tell your father, your spiritual father, you love him. And uh, we'll see you when we see you.